0: Welcome to LesPod. You are here, my friends, because you believe in the LGBTQ community and the importance of sharing our individual stories to help impact one another. The goal of the show is to introduce you to people and ideas that are going to help motivate you to pursue your passions and empower you to believe in yourself, okay? My name is Alexandria Friedlander, and I'm here to introduce you to remarkable people who have helped shift the world we live in today. Today's guest is Dr. Hisela Vega. Help me welcome her to the show. Woo! Yes. Thank you, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. I'm super excited to be here. Yes. So, um, from from the, the studying and the research that I've done on you, you are the director of the LGBT uh, Student Center at the University of Miami, which is a, a very well known university in Miami, Florida. That is correct. Absolutely. Oh, that is amazing. Yes. So I'd love to know, kind of, you know, dig in about who you are. Um, let's kind of start a little, if if you don't mind, a little early on. You know, childhood. Oof. Um, going way back. We're going way back. <laughs> okay. I want to know, you know, your roots. I want to know where you, where you come from. You know, why you are the director of. You know the LGBT you know client services mm-hmm. that's that's a big deal mm-hmm. um, you have an amazing reputation I want you to know that so it's thank an you. honor to have you on my show thank you for being here Absolutely. Um, or, we're actually at UM right now so this is a great opportunity for us um, so tell me a little bit about your childhood how it was growing up as yourself um, and you know when you kind of discovered
1: you were Family. Okay. Okay. Wow. You're making me go way back, so it may take a minute. Um, but I'm originally from Chicago, Illinois. I was born and raised there. Um, I'm from a, what I like to tell people, I'm pan Panorican. And what does that mean? I am the descendant of Panamanian and Puerto Rican parents. Um, so I grew up in that windy city, wonderful Chicago. Um, you know, really infused in a Puerto Rican neighborhood, so I was very much in tune with my my roots and my culture and my my Latinx self um, growing up. So, you know, my uh, my parents, um, my mother didn't have a command of the Engu- uh, of the English language, so I got to see early on um, how identities were marginalized from a very early age. Um, you know, I. I uh, I learned about issues such as, you know, racism and sexism and um, all sorts of different types of discrimination through my childhood. And um, you know, I'm a firm believer what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. So a lot of those experiences helped shape me in who I am today. We moved out of the city when I was in junior high. Uh, My parents made that decision for safety reasons. Um, again, we lived in Humboldt Park. For those of you that are from Chicago, probably know it is Wicker Park now. Uh, but back in the day, it was a Puerto Rican, Latino community, um, uh, you know, riddled with a lot of crime, unfortunately. And so safety was a big issue for us. So my parents made the ultimate sacrifice and got us out of the city, into the suburbs, where um, during my first week of school, I remember going into uh, recess Again, this is junior high, and I had a group of young girls that came over to me and asked me, I thought they were going to ask me to play, what they asked me was, hey, are you black or are you white? And nobody had ever asked me that before, because in our community where we grew up, we were all shades and all colors, you know, the United rainbow, basically. Um, so that really perplexed me, and I went home that night, and I asked my mom, you know, I'm like, mommy, you know, these girls asked me this, what, what am I? And she goes, ah, Gisela, you're Gisela. And I was like, okay, whatever. Fast forward to a week later, back outside, recess, and a black girl comes up to me. And I'm like, oh, man, here we go again. She's going to ask me the same thing. And she goes, hey, I'm Kim. What's your name? You want to play? And right there, I was like, wow, okay, so not everybody is into this thing that, you know, what makes us different, right? Right. So again, learning about race at a very early age, learning about ethnicity, you know, with my mom having her limited English and people often mocking her uh, when we'd go to the stores and make assumptions about her abilities and her intelligence because she didn't have command of the language. Again, bringing these concepts of marginalization into my head, right, at a very, very early age. What did
0: that do? How did that make you
1: feel as a kid seeing that you know that people were kind of tearing down? It it really it hurt you know it it made me feel horrible I mean I um you know a lot of times I would get angry um especially when people would mock my mom you know it's like what's your problem you know she's the smartest woman I know in the world um so again these were things that stuck with me early on and it made me really start to question why was it so important for people to treat other people poorly because they were different, right? Like, mm-hmm. what was it about this that made made so, made so it so important for them? Right. Folks? So we fast forward. Um, from a very early age, I knew that I was attracted to women. Um, but my earliest recollection was in Panama. I mentioned my mom was in Panama. Uh, and my mom and my aunt were having a conversation about um, that they would prefer their daughters to be... Um, una prostituta, which means a prostitute in Spanish, to be una lesbiana. Now, I didn't know what a lesbian was. I was probably about 10 or 11, but I knew I couldn't be one of those, right? (laughs) Um, So, very interesting. Now I start to see, even within my own culture, sort of this uh, marginalizing of individuals within the community based on differences. Again, very young, I start to see this stuff kind of happen. So, you know, learning about differences in races and ethnicities and gender was something that had been ingrained early on because of my experiences. I wanted to learn about this stuff. I'll fast forward to college now. Um, And college is where I had my first experience with a woman. Um, And it happened, I was very active in my college, in my university. I went to the University of Illinois at Chicago. I was in a sorority. I had, um, you know, I had been a cheerleader. I had done basically the stuff that, you know, you get involved with while you're in school. Um, But during that time, I met a woman who was in my sorority and and we fell in love. Um, And the interesting thing here was, again, you start to see how hate and fear motivates people to do things. So I was president of my sorority this particular year. We were rushing. Um, new women to join the sorority and um, this is when I started to see again discrimination and hatred rear its ugly head on the college campus. Um, There had been flyers posted all over the campus about rushing the dyke sorority and uh, you could be a homegirl dyke by uh, pledging my organization and it had my name as the president and the phone number on it and these were kind of plastered all over campus. So wow. immediately I went into terror. I was afraid. I didn't know what was going you know, what was going on. Um, and that was followed up probably about a week or two later by young callers, young male callers, calling me at 3 o'clock in the morning. Again, I was an RA at the time, so our numbers were published. Back in the day, we didn't have cell phones or any of that stuff, right? So you had to publish your number. So they got my number, and they would call me, these gentlemen callers, and tell me, um, that, um, you know, all that, that they knew that all I really needed was a good expletive um, from a real man and that they were willing to do that. Wow. So, again, became super depressed. Uh, I got scared. I stopped going to, um, you know, cheerleading. I dropped out. I dropped out of my sorority. I became really depressed. And my sorority sisters and my boss noticed. Um, I stopped going to class. And... Um, You know, for fear of not knowing what else to do, I just kind of hid in my room. And luckily, I had some really caring friends, my sorority sisters and my boss, who came to my room, basically, and basically told me, we're not leaving until you tell us what's wrong. And I proceeded to tell them what had happened. And at that point, I didn't feel alone anymore. And so that changed my experience on college. But, you know, prior to them sort of stepping in, I contemplated leaving, and even worse. You know, suicide among um, young LGBT folk is the highest that we know of, right? Yes. Um, and it's getting worse. It's getting worse um, for reasons such as this, right? So um, little did I know that that would put me on the career path that I find myself on today. You know. So from that point forward, what happened was I started to learn about the LGBTQ community um, and I made a promise to myself that I was never going to, one, let anybody have that kind of power over me again. And two, that I would do everything in my power to make sure that nobody would experience what I did in college. I love that. So and yes. how
0: how do you implement not letting people have that kind of power
1: over you? Yeah. yeah. How, but how do you do that? Yeah, I think from a personal standpoint, it's it's kind of stepping into your yourself, right? kind of stepping into your own, claiming who you are. Um, You know, again, um, you know, you walk into my office and you'll see pictures of my family, my spouse. Um, You know, I'll talk about my family. I'll make it an everyday occurrence because we're everyday people. And I think a lot of times what happens and how people get that power is they put fear into you,
0: right? Mm -hmm.
1: They make you fear who you are. Um, in your experiences. So again, those are ways that I do it. And obviously my career path and, and reading and research and learning about the LGBTQ community um, and trying to be a change agent in the community is how I've stepped into my power. That's incredible. What's something that you wish
0: you could see more within the actual lesbian community itself? You know, not just the, the LGBTQ+, plus, but two to lesbians out there that, you know, um, that this is kind of targeted toward, what is
1: something that you wish you could see more of? I'd say there's probably, if I think about what message would I want to send out there to my sisters in this community, it would be three things. Um, the first one is to make community. Mm. You know, As women, Early on, we're not taught that community matters, right? We're, we're, I mean, we're taught community matters, but it has to look a very specific way. Um, so I would say to make community, right, to make room for each other—that's a—that's a really important piece. Um, Mentoring has been really important for me in my life, for the life of my um, students and and those colleagues that I work with. Actually, in college, I was fortunate enough to meet a mentor, um, another lesbian, who's been my mentor to this day. You know, thirty wow. some years later, I still call this woman when I need support, and vice versa. It became a two way street, and it's a it's such a beautiful relationship because. There's this fear of, okay, if you're not in a um, amorous physical relationship with a woman, you can't be their friends if you're a lesbian. And that is a myth. Mm. You can have friends, and there doesn't have to be that other stuff involved. correct um, And that's, that's the fear, I think, that sometimes um, kind of... Um, debilitates us. We worry about, oh, what are you doing with this person or what are you doing with that person, right? And the reality is we just need to move past that and see each other as allies and supporters and mentors. Um, I was fortunate enough to work with the Aqua Foundation and be on their board for a number of years here in Miami and to help really establish their mentorship program. And that mentorship program, similar to the one I established here at an FIU, um, follows a cohort model. What does that mean? That you go through this mentorship program as a family. right? You don't just have your mentor, you have your peers, you have the other people that are involved in there. So I think that's a real important piece, is willing to develop relationships and support each other and lift each other up instead of tearing each other down. That's Uh. the first one. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. The other one I would say, um, you know, I touched on it a little bit, but mentorship, you know, um, mentoring what we want to see happen in our community. Um, You know, that's really important. If you haven't had a chance to mentor somebody, step in, take advantage. There's lots of mentorship programs out there. there. Take advantage of one of those opportunities and help someone, lift somebody up. Um, And then the last thing is really paying it forward. You know, we get the rap sometimes of, okay, we meet our life partner, we fall in love, and then, you know, you go and you're secluded and you don't do anything else with the community. We need to stop that. If you have your partner, take your partner to things. If you have your family, take your families to things. Get involved. Yeah. Pay it forward.
0: Yeah, I, um, I, I noticed, I'm not, you know, sorry to kind of cut you off, but I noticed that, you know, I, I, I live close to Wilson Manors, and... Um, even though, you know, this is less Miami, but I do live now close to Walton Manor's and I noticed, you know, there's, there's no lesbians. They're like, there's, they're, they're nowhere to be found. It's hard to maintain a lesbian club. It's hard to maintain lesbian restaurants, you know, and um, when, when you see, you know, um, gay men out there specifically, like, they're everywhere to be seen and it's just, it's, like I don't know how to change that other than talking about it. Yeah, yeah. you know. But it's it's really um, it's fascinating to see that they once you're in a relationship where you just don't want to you know you want to isolate or you're not you know not feeling like going out, the streets are empty. Yeah, yeah. And okay. has it been like that? I mean, for for a long time. I think so. I think it's
1: it's. um you know, it, it's all dependent on where you're at, where you grew up, you know, where you're living, what's the community you have. Um, you know, I, I was fortunate, like I said, I had a mentor that showed me that um, you have to give to your community, not just take from it. Yes. Right? Um, and sometimes that means giving when maybe you don't want to give, right? Maybe Like like you said, you, you have a new relationship and you start doing all these things and you forget about our community, and I think that's the piece we got to get people to step back and see if we truly want to flourish, we have to be a strong community. Actually if you look at the history of um, the women's community, we used to have very strong women communities. We used to have things like the Women's Music Festival, right? The Michigan Women's Festival, uh, where women would come together for weeks on end and and have uh, opportunities to dialogue and celebrate and dance. but we moved away from that, some of that, and, I, and I'm not sure what that is. But it would be nice to see if we could get back to that someday.
0: Yes, yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. That would be beautiful. That would be beautiful. Um, so tell us a little bit about what's going
1: on in your world right now. Mm. Here at the university. So yes. There's lots happening, Um, you know, uh, one of the things that we started this year, which I'm super excited about, well, let me start by saying that the University of Miami is the only university in South Florida that has a standalone LGBTQ center, Uh, fully staffed, run by professionals, Um, you know, we have student staff and we're here to make a difference in the lives of our students. I always say, um, I use the acronym that we're the heart, of the um's lgbtq community and what that means is we use a holistic approach to create education and awareness using restorative practices that transforms the lives of our students Ooh, so that's nice. that's our heart that is our acronym that we use for that and you know we have everything from programs programs to help create awareness and train individuals We run the university's um, IBIS Ally Training, which at other schools, they know it as the Safe Zone Training. So we provide training to faculty and staff to be support and allies and resources for individuals in our community. In addition to that, in addition to that we um advise and and work with several of our lgbtq student organizations we currently have i believe four student organizations two professional ones outlaw which is at the law school uh, out med med out, which is at the medical school, and then our uh, grad out. So there's actually three graduate professional student organizations that students can be involved with, and then we have OSTEM, which is for the STEM, the science field um, undergrad and Spectrum, which is the oldest LGBT student-run organization here at the university. So we have a lot of community. In addition to that, we have a faculty staff group, uh, and we also have an LGBTQK Alumni Association. So if you are an alumni of the U and you want to get involved with our community, we have ways to do that. Besides advising, training, um, we work very closely with different departments. And this year, as I was saying, we have a uh, gender and sexuality living learning community that kicked off in the residential halls. What's that look like? We have 20 students that selected to be part of this community. They live together in the same community. They learn, around, they learn about gender and sexuality issues. And then they also take gender and sexuality study courses together. Wow. So um, this is the other hat I wear here. I'm also an adjunct for our GSS program, and um, I teach the two special topics course for our GSS students. Last semester, they learned about LGBTQ leadership, um, how to be a social change agent and be a leader in your community. And this semester, we're taking it a step forward, um, and we've infused that with being a leader in a global community so they're hearing from speakers that are doing incredible things out there at a global level Um, so there's the class component uh, which is really exciting for this and the students are amazing they're they're just incredible so we're really happy that we've been able to create a space where students can self-select to be on campus to live together to share an experience and everything I've heard from the students, they appreciate the fact that they have a space where they can um, feel that they belong. Right. So we do that, uh, and then we obviously have lots of programs and workshops, and we uh, try to partner in the community um, to provide uh, events and support. And then we also have April, which is Pride Month on college campuses. And obviously we have Miami Beach Pride, so we're gearing up for that. And we're also gearing up for the 10th anniversary of our LGBTQ minor. We are the only school in South Florida that offers an LGBTQ minor in gender and sexuality studies program. And we're celebrating its 10th year anniversary this year. So for somebody that doesn't exactly know what that means... What what, What does it mean? What does it mean? Okay, so, you know, when you were in school or if you went to college or you're thinking about going to college, you usually pick a major. Those majors can be anything. Um, So you have your majors and sometimes you'll pick a minor. So we established the LGBTQ student minor, which um, informs students, it provides history, uh, history and coursework that revolves around issues of gender and sexuality in the LGBTQ community. So there are a myriad of courses that students can take to fulfill that requirement. And when they graduate, they can have their minor. If they're going into nonprofit work or they're going into work in the LGBTQ community, it certainly helps to have that minor. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty exciting. That is very, very exciting. Yeah. yeah. And again, like I said, the, the, uh, the first school, uh, University or College in South Florida, that offers that. Wow. Yeah. That's really beautiful. It is. It's exciting. Making strides. We're trying.
0: We <laughs> <Move our> are <laughs> succeeding. <laughs> we're trying. So, I wanted to touch we t- we talked about that a little bit, you know, before we started shooting about what's going on right now with um, schools and and the uh, you know, kind of I guess don't ask don't tell in a sense is that kind of what we're going back to.
1: Well, it's a, little, it's a little worse than that, because it's trying to get a no-gay ban um, in, co- in schools, basically saying that uh, people would be able to prohibit uh, books that are being read or classes that are being offered, um, you know, in our, in our primary high schools, things like that. Um, and it's very concerning. I know that Safe School South Florida is taking an active role in trying to make sure that um, this horrible legislation isn't passed, Um, you know, we also have Equality Florida that's getting involved, um, you know, our students are being very vocal, I think, about that, um, but it's really concerning because this is, it's, it's about censorship, you know, you're, you're censoring what people can learn, um, and to me, knowledge is power, um, we shouldn't censor knowledge, um, but I feel that's, that's kind of the direction that this feels like it's moving in. Right. How do you think we could change that? Again, I think um, people speaking up, yeah. you know. Um, doing what you're doing right doing now. Doing what we're doing right now. You know, Safe School South Florida is out there doing some great work. Equality Florida is doing some great work. Uh, getting people aware, educating folks about what's going on. I think a lot of people don't even realize this kind of stuff is happening. So.
0: Yeah. What would you say the uh, the ultimate legacy that you'd like to leave behind
1: would be? Wow. Um, I know that's a big question. Yeah, Alexandria, I'll tell you, I've been doing this work for a long time. Um, you know, I've I, um, been fortunate that this is a position that I'm passionate about, so I feel that I come to work every day, but I don't work a day in my life because I'm living my passion. Now, some days can be stressful because there's obviously a lot going on, but, um... I feel like part of my legacy has already been there is to get the issues of our LGBTQ student community heard. Um as some of you might know, um I helped create the first LGBTQ initiatives in a South Florida school at Florida International University. Um the LGBT Initiatives program that started there. That was the first of its kind. Um, that was ever established in any college or university. Get it. And that happened in 2012. And and I will share. We were behind the times. We were really behind the times because as you looked across the country, there were programs that were established and you know centers that were already there. So we're moving forward. We're moving forward. Um, but I was I like I said I was really fortunate to sort of create my future and yeah. the direction I wanted to go and. Um, and from there, obviously, other doors have opened, like the door here to UM, uh, which interestingly enough, when this was being brainstormed, I was asked to come in and advise their task force on some, you know, suggestions on how do you create a space. So it's, it's kind of interesting to see how that all kind of played out. Um, so for part of me, I feel like I'm leaving a legacy already. Um, helping people understand that the LGBTQ student experience um, is one that requires a lot of support and attention and need from the community, um, and from universities, right? We know that there are still a lot of issues with our youth in terms of, um, them being targeted, you know. When you look at the homeless population, about 40% of homeless youth identify as LGBTQ students. And we know that one of the great equalizers um, in our community to help people advance is education. So we have to be able to open doors. Um, and for me, if I'm able to do that with my talents and I've been able to um, create some, some doors to be open, then I feel I'm, I'm on the right path. And I feel I'm, I'm kind of achieving what my goals was. And I guess the last thing for my legacy is I go back to that place in my college, my junior year, um, where I felt completely alone and afraid, and my hope is that none of our students experience that. Sadly, we know far too many of them are still experiencing it, um, but my my hope is that we get to a point where they don't have to feel ashamed or afraid or unsupported for who they are. Do you,
0: on that note, do you have a message for the people out there that are struggling right now, that don't know how to talk about these things, that don't want to be gay, don't want to go through the pain and the struggle and, you know, the criticism and who knows, you know? What what message do you have for for people out there that are really struggling that feel hopeless?
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I would say the biggest thing is to know that, one, you're not alone, right? We've all been there. I know what that feels like to be alone and scared. Um, You know, who would want to be gay when we live in such an oppressive world still, right? Mm. Um, I know that back in the day, um, when I was at that place where maybe some of our viewers are today, I would say, you know, why me? You know, why is this happening to me? And, And now as I look back on it, it was a gift, it's gotten me to where I'm at, and hopefully I'm able to change and touch the lives of folks. If you're there right now, know that you're not alone, know that there's support. Um, you know, I think the internet has done an incredible job to open up the world and options for folks and let them know that there's support out there. Programs like this, you know, um, these weren't available when I was your age or, or younger, right, in terms of trying to find support but knowing that there is help out there, tons of resources, lots of information. Um, Don't be afraid to reach out, you know, you can reach out anywhere. Uh, We have some incredible resources right here in the community. Pride Lines, the LGBTQ Youth Alliance, those are great resources and you can access them online um, through the Internet. You know, don't be afraid to to reach out to someone to get some help and some support Um, and know that You're perfect, there's nothing wrong with you, you know. This is how you were created to be, and there's nothing wrong with that.
0: That was so well said, I love that. Thank you. You're welcome. Well, thank you so much for being on the show, thank you for being on Lespot, it's been a pleasure, very informative, and very hopeful. So I appreciate it. You're welcome. So I'm gonna give you an air hug. Air hug. Air hug. (laughs)